and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast, a discussion of God's extraordinary works through His ordinary ways. My name is Winston Weber, and today, Pastor Mike is going to talk to us a little bit about living a content life. It's a pleasure to be with you, Mike. I'm kind of discontent right now. Why? Because we have to redo all of this? I'm very discontent right now, <laughs> and I just can't wait to talk about contentment. Oh, good. It'll be very practical <laughs> to your life. Good uh, to see you today. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who uh, are just tuning in, like this is a radio show, uh, we kind of dropped our first half of the... We, we recorded really good stuff, and then it dropped. So Let's just say that... Me, God, and Winston really enjoyed the last half hour of recording. <laughs> Sanctification is happening. That, that's how... That's but how seriously, this is a good lesson in contentment. It is. It is. So anyway, Mike. Winston. I, before we start, I have a question for you. Talk okay. to me. So, and by extension, our listeners, I want you to be thinking about your answer to this question as well. All right, Mike, I've built the dream vacation for you. All right. You Italy, and your wife, Italy. You and your wife are going on an all expenses paid trip to Italy. You guys are going to go to the nicest restaurant. You're going to eat that pizza that you love so much without cheese. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> You're going to stay in the nicest most beautiful hotels. You're going to see wondrous sights. In fact, you're going to fly first class there as well. I, I didn't mention that, but Ooh, yes, it'll be so Wait, nice. salt and pepper shakers on an airplane. I love it. Sure. And you're also going to be hanging out with your favorite people. You too is going to be there. The Lakers <laughs> are going to be there. All your favorite people. Showtime Lakers? Steve Lawson is going to be there with John, Johnny Mack. Now you're Mack. talking. Yeah. Now you're talking. I want Austin Duncan there with me too. Okay, you can have him I love too. that guy. You guys are going to play some golf, maybe? I don't know what sport you like uh, to play with these guys. Basketball. You want to play basketball with an 80-year-old man? Basketball. <laughs> Maybe you'll stand <laughs> a chance. Okay. I want to win. All right. Anyway, <laughs> here's the catch, though. The catch is you're going to be void of joy and discontent. Dude, really? Yeah, so for you're that whole that time, you're, you're going to be experiencing the best things in life, but you're going to be discontent. So you're saying that we're going to reenact hell? Yeah, one could say, but before you, before you <laughs> give it away, I mean— is that is that an okay? I'm not deal? going. You're not going. I'm okay. not going. I'm staying home. Okay. I'm gonna enjoy walking my dog in the hills of East Orange. Now, Mike, what if I told you that that is actually a reality for many people, especially living here in the United States? People have the best cars. They have the best homes. They eat the best food. They have wonderful lives, and they're miserable. Well, sure. And here's the deal: we're all this way. We. We can get discontent at the drop of a hat over almost anything. Yeah. And you think about how trivial we are. So I think I'm a good person to talk about contentment because I'm easily discontented and I know what it means to be content, what it means not to be content. In fact, I've told people before, there's a reason why I get to preach three times on Sundays. I need it three times more than everyone else. <laughs> Yeah, and this idea pops up a lot throughout the Bible, and we we really start to see it in the person of Paul. We see it in Christ, but uh, let, let's do something a little bit more relatable with uh, the person of Paul, someone who's you know a sinner like us, who who's really battled with this stuff. And he says in Philippians four eleven through thirteen, "For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content." I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's right. In fact, Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have, because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. 
And so Paul learned that secret. In fact, let's do this. Listeners, if you got a Bible handy, grab a Bible. If you're driving, don't grab your Bible. Just listen up. Philippians 4, we'll start at verse 11, where Paul says, not that I am speaking of being in need. And what he's trying to do at the very beginning is avoid a misunderstanding, okay? He's saying, I'm not saying that I'm in need right this moment, even if I don't have what I truly think I need. And he's very emphatic about it. He says, I have learned something, right? That's very emphatic, very strong emphatic there. I've learned something. You go back to verse 9. He has just said, the things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is saying, look, I have learned something. Now, what we're going to find out is he's learned this through the hard times of life, the crucible of life, the fire of life. And the learning here is literally the kind of learning where it comes to a point of completion. Like he got a certificate in this, okay? He learned it and he doesn't have to keep learning it through life. It's cemented in his life. So he has really learned something that keeps benefiting him because he's learned this lesson. So what did he learn? What he says is, I learned that in whatever situation I am, to be content. Content is an interesting word. It almost sounds like a word that, you know, is negative for us. It means to be self-sufficient, to me have enough. But this is used in in the best gospel sense. It's this independence of external circumstances. Like you're not having to have everything right on the outside. This is talking about a person. This word would be used of a person who supports himself without help from others, okay? Indicates this inward self-sufficiency, though, with Paul, where it doesn't mean he doesn't have any desire for anything. It means he's not being selfish. He's not, he's not saying he's a self-made man. He's not saying he's a lone ranger or an island all to himself. What he's saying is, I'm not going to drag you down with my discontent because I'm anchored inwardly in life with a contentment that goes beyond my circumstance. So that's why he says in verse 12, I know how to be brought low. You know, I, and that's physical. That's not spiritually or, or morally there. It's used of the needs of daily life. Like I can go without my food. I can go without what I think I need. And, and think about life, right? Winston, how many things in our life do we really uh, desire and want that are really needs? Most are wants. Hey, I need that air conditioning. It is one, something that I I desperately need, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Right, I hear you. Look, <laughs> Paul then goes on. I know we had more banter the last time we Did. recorded this, but I know how to abound. Literally, I know how to overflow. I know how to, I know how to deal with having more than I need. My guess is he would have given it to other people when he had an overflow. But when he says, I know, he is literally saying, I've been initiated in this. I have the mysterious knowledge. I've literally been instructed in a mystery. Now, in those days, that was used of mystery religions. It was used of Gnosticism, horrible, blasphemous things. But he is using this in a gospel sense. I know. I know the answer here, he's saying. And it's going to help you. You know, I've come to the point And this is a completed action, but with a continuing benefit in my life, and it can be in yours. He said this, and here's the point. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's the point. Now, verse 13 gets pulled out of context all the time, right? He is saying, here's the secret. Here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus makes me strong. Jesus is enough. Jesus makes me able to withstand having plenty or want. He he empowers me, right? He gives me strength. He is my life, Colossians 3, 4. Therefore, even when I don't 
think I have what I need, I have all I need. Yeah. And really, I mean, that verse, you, you already mentioned it, but it does get taken out of context a lot. I've seen it on the backs of many a marathon runner. On, when you're in the middle of running a marathon, you're behind them and you see that on their t-shirt? I mean, in a figurative marathon <laughs> sort of way. But, you know, there's it's used constantly in sports teams. It's used constantly in just kind of ridiculous things, especially when you think of all the things that Paul had to go through. He's not saying, you know, oh, I can do this thing for fun. I know. He's talking about how he was in prison. Think about who he's writing to. He's it's the, the guy that went through. Right. He's the guy that went through all the stuff. Yeah. The, the Philippians are literally like where he was thrown in prison for one of the first times was Silas. Oh, yeah. He went through shipwrecks. He went through getting bit by a snake. He went through oh, all yeah. these different things. And yet people kind of pare it down to just, oh, you know, I'm going to run this race with endurance. Now, I, I got to make a confession because okay. I can't go, all oh, those people do that. Back in my running days, oh, I was pretty competitive oh. and I would be running these workouts and I would be rehearsing that verse in my mind and I'm running. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because I'm like, I can do this. I can beat my time or I can beat that other runner. So yeah, we do use it in a way that it's not really what was being spoken of, what he's saying is, I can go through plenty or want, right? If he's, if he's in plenty, he's sharing. If he's in want, he's enduring. So then shifting a little bit, now we know, we know the secret is Christ. But Mike, I'll be honest, there are a lot of times where even I, as a Christian, as a believer who has Christ living in me, who has the Holy Spirit empowering me, still feels discontent. Mm -hmm. So how in the world am I supposed to say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me like Paul did? Because here's the deal. You said he learned it, right? Which means he didn't have it before. It's not an innate thing. So how do I get that secret knowledge? How do I learn to be content? Yeah. You learn it by sometimes force feeding yourself the truth when you don't feel it. First Timothy 6, 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. We think the opposite sometimes. We think we just have to have what we need. Paul says, verse 7, we brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. We're, we're not taking anything with us, so why do we want so many things? And, and not just things, but why do we want so much attention? Why do we want so much recognition? All these kind of things. I mean, Jesus said in, in Luke 12, 15, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. And so Paul, Paul, the sufferer says in 2 Corinthians 12, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So part of it is force feeding yourself the truth and believing the truth rather than twisting it. So maybe this is coming off as a little insensitive to many people who are listening right now, because Kind of what it sounds like you're saying is, look, suck it up. Is that true? Well, Psalm 37 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Take delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Sometimes it's the wrong desires of the heart. I think that sometimes it's like, am I desiring the right thing? Am I, I guess we got to ask ourselves, like, why am I experiencing a lack of contentment? So the idea of saying, hey, you need to kind of get it in gear. I think sometimes, Yes but not in a judgmental way to someone. This should be our self-talk, I think. We need to be able to talk ourselves out of our 
greed or out of our gluttony or out of our doubt or whatever it is, our, our idols, our sins, our selfishness. A lot of times it's because we have these expectations of God and people and they go unmet because people aren't mind readers. They can't figure out everything we want them to do or say. But it boils down, I think, to not trusting God. I really mm. do. So even in those situations where, I mean, you've, you've been a pastor for quite a while now, Mike. I'm sure there have been people who've come up to you and said, Mike, you just don't understand. I have this this work situation or this school situation or I have this issue with my, my significant other. And Mike, it, it's hard. It's really, really hard right now. And it's so emotional and tumultuous. And all you're saying is suck it up. No. I would say find your joy in the right place. Find your joy. And again, I'm saying it to myself. Find my joy in Christ. I was telling someone this morning, so you're struggling in this way with your faith? Be really honest with God about it. Mm. The psalmist was honest with God. God knows everything. God knows our hearts. We have nothing to hide from him. We cannot. Everything is open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. But the idea of believing the truth, we always have to remind ourselves that. That's what we talk about when we say preaching the gospel to ourselves. Part of that is contentment with where God has us in life. That doesn't mean laziness, though. Like, you can take contentment and go, I'm content. And that means we don't want to work hard, right? So, you know, I'm content not mowing my lawn. I'm content not flossing or brushing my teeth. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about when he says plenty and in want. We're talking about real situations where he is either getting pinched or hurt or is doing without in some way. Hmm. Yeah, and really when we think about it, yes, we have Paul and he he's saying he's learned this. He's learned to be content in this really awful situation throughout most of the latter part of his life. And I guess you could say we have room to be discontent if we have suffered shipwrecks three times, <laughs> if we've endured beatings. 39 we, lashes yeah, and what have you. If we've endured starvation in prison, being Many sleepless nights, shipwrecked. Exactly. If we can endure all those things, mm -hmm. then after that, pile that on, then we can be discontent. Maybe, but then you don't also don't want to say, well, hey, why are you not like your brother Paul, right? Sure. So you do have to take yourself where you're at. I do think there's this element, though, of coddling, mm. where we as Americans coddle ourselves and every little hangnail is is a really big issue. It's, you know, the, the truth always points us to a Christ-centered focus. The Bible will do this to us. First Timothy 6, for the love of money, verse 10, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But look what it says in verse 11, but you, man of God, flee from all of this. Like flee from it and pursue something. Chase down righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. We're chasing down the wrong things a lot of the time, and then we're discontent. But when we can find our, our joy in Christ and our contentment in Christ, there's a sweetness about that that is almost unexplainable. A peace that surpasses all kinds of understanding. Absolutely. Well, and here's kind of the crux of it. When we are finding our satisfaction in Christ, the things of earth grow strangely dim, right? In the mm -hmm. light of his glory and grace. And ultimately, the way that we find Christian contentment is in our namesake, Christ. Right. Think about it, listeners, for just a moment. 
we have this person who died on the cross for you. And really, he he wasn't happy about his uh, going to the cross because he was like, oh, yay, I get to be pierced with a spear and then, you know, nailed to a piece of wood that I made. He's he, He's not happy about that. He even asks his father to take it away. But consider what it says in Hebrews 12 that Christ endured the cross, not because he was happy with the cross, but because the joy that was set before him, he endured it. The joy was being seated at the right hand of the Father, that he accomplished the plan that God had from eternity past. That was the joy. The joy was not in the moment. The joy was looking forward to when he would be king. Right. There is richness in Christ. There is grace in Christ. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, Mm -hmm. so that you by his poverty might become rich. And what Paul is telling us in Philippians 4 is, the grace overcomes our desire for things that might ruin us. Maybe things that are good, but aren't the best things that God wants for us right then. So contentment is resting in the Lord, waiting upon him, doesn't mean you can't have ambition, but your ambition must be to glorify God and to please God, as 2 Corinthians 5 talks about that. Our ambition is to be pleasing to him. So I think the the baseline, bottom line, contentment issue really is, can I rest in Christ? Can I find my rest in Christ alone? Yeah, and you know what? Paul even asks this question of Christ. Can you take away this? He calls it a thorn in his side, right? Can you take this away? What was the response of Christ? My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient. That's right. That's right. And so that is how he learned contentment. It was through all these hard, arduous tasks, but guess what? It was so that he would be satisfied in Christ. Right. Go back to that word content, to be self-sufficient. That's self-sufficiency wrapped up in God dependency, okay? So what he's saying is, I've learned this because of Christ who lives in me, Christ who gives me strength. So it's all focused on Christ. And he's just saying, Christ gives me everything I need to do everything he calls me to do. So for those of you who are out there who are struggling with contentment, who who do have depression, who are worried about things in life, who are anxious about the future, know that there's, there's peace in Christ, that he is our peace. And remember that the one another's in scripture are one of the things that God uses to build in us the substance and and contentment that is necessary to withstand the trials and struggles of this life. That's why, Winston, you and I need each other. That's why we need Mm -hmm. the church. That's why we need to be in local, caring communities of faith as believers so that we bear these burdens. We bear one another's burdens and we bear these burdens together. Amen. Well, Mike, this was uh, great. I, I really enjoyed spending time with you. It was likewise, yeah. likewise. So real quick, before we wrap up, we wanted to tell our listeners about Grace Church of Orange is hosting a Ask Anything Q&A. And uh, we're actually going to live stream it. And so it's going to be on Facebook and YouTube. It's going to be a lot of fun, right, Mike? Absolutely. Going to be the best. And it's August 28th on a Wednesday night. On a Wednesday night. 
Set your timers now. That's right. And so be sure to check out Grace Church of Orange's Facebook page and YouTube as well. And it'll be up there. If you want to send questions beforehand, go ahead and do that at ordinarychurch at gmail.com. We always appreciate that. And as always, we hope that you'll join us next week as we remain faithful, even in the ordinary.